Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, listen. Uh, there's obviously New Haven and Yale are sort of inextricably connected. And... You know, we, we, we saw that State Rep. Ryan Fazio, Republican, you know, was talking about, you know, taxing their endowment. And I just thought it was an interesting topic to talk about. So, uh, Representative Fazio joining us here on Brian & Company. Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Brian. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on. And I uh, we appreciate it as always. And so just sort of explain to people um, what, what you think maybe should be done here. So uh, since, since I've been in the Senate every year, I introduce legislation that um, uh, proposes to tax the capital gains of, so, of multi-billion dollar uh, university endowments in Connecticut and use that revenue to cut middle class taxes, specifically the, the payroll tax, the one half of 1% payroll tax that um, all of us are paying into the paid family medical leave program. Um, it mimics, it basically mirrors federal law, which has a 1.5% uh, capital gains tax on multi-billion dollar endowments. So this would just apply to normal capital gains taxes on, uh, you know, investment profits on the, the kind of the billion, the second billion dollar of these university endowments in Connecticut. So I think uh, originally it would only hit a couple of university endowments in Connecticut, Wesleyan and, and Yale. Uh, probably eventually it, it's Trinity, a couple others that are that are getting bigger and bigger. But, you know, I think tax exempt status for nonprofit universities is reasonable for the dollars that can reasonably be applied to actually educating kids. But when you have $30 billion or $10 billion, you're really, you know, at that point, a hedge fund with a school attached to it. You're, right. not, you're not primarily a school. So, you know, give them tax exemption for the dollars that are useful. But, you know, if, if these schools are so great, why don't they expand the number of, you know, seats in the university? That, or, or are they just conferring elite, you know, signaling privilege on, on the, you know, 4,000, 5,000 kids that they uh, admit every year with a 5 or 10% acceptance rate, um, when in many cases you're not really doing much, you know, I think anyone who went to college the last 10 or 20 years knows you don't have to really learn much in order to get a degree if you want. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of kids who, who, you know, who take engineering classes or in STEM who do learn a lot. But, you know, I went to one of those low acceptance rates colleges. You don't have to learn anything in order to get a degree. So this entire industry is kind of screwed up in the United States. Um, I don't want to transform it or revolutionize it. But, you know, I think when you have $10 billion dollars, 
you know, under your umbrella, you're really a hedge fund with a, uh, you know, with the school attached to it. Right. Uh, you know, I think, I think just applying capital gains taxes uh, on the investment profits and, and using it to offset middle-class taxes in Connecticut, where, you know, plumbers and electricians are taxed way too much in order to afford to live in this state, right. is a reasonable trade-off. So, first of all, sorry I misspoke, Mr. Senator. It was my bad. I called you a representative. As uh, I apologize for that. This brings up a ton I've been of- called far worse than that. <laughs> but I, I, I have it written down. I don't know why I said it. But- the for me, there's a couple. I can look at this professionally and personally. I mean, I have a daughter who's a senior in high school. I live a decided, I would say, upper middle class lifestyle, and I, you know, I know what college is like. If you have a ton of money or no money, it's easier to pay for it than if you are middle class. You can't pay for college, and I, I'm just, you know, there's so many questions I have on that line because I do think the system is broken. It, it is. It, I mean, I don't know what can be changed. I, I don't think this will necessarily do do anything toward that end. But when it comes to this kind of idea, I mean, do, do you just think about it, think about it, and then and then sort of say, this is something I want to do? Do you, do you Have you talked to anybody at, at Yale? I mean, for me, it's like one of those things where it makes sense logically, but then you don't want to push on it too hard because Yale, you know, is so important to the local economy at the same time. You know, I'm not saying New Haven wouldn't be a great city without Yale, but it, Yale is one of the best universities on the planet. So how do you go about bringing this to the public? I mean, what uh, what precipitated the tweet, which uh, which got a lot of attention, uh, you know, which is probably what you saw and invited me on for, yep. um, is that there was polling that found that you know by a thirty percent margin, the public favors this type of proposal. Um, you know, that, that's incidental. I didn't propose it because I thought it would be popular. I proposed it because I thought it would be a good idea. Um, but incidentally, the public supports it. And what you also see is the public losing faith in higher education in the United States. Uh, you know, they see the double standards on university uh, campuses. But I think the real reason that uh, the public has lost faith, faith in, uh, in, in, in higher education generally is, you know, the price is absurdly high and the quality of, of, uh, of schooling that people get is not improved. In fact, it's the, probably the standards of declined over time and you have this weird system where you know you have these colleges with five percent acceptance rates and uh you know but 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 just because there there's and normally for a business if the demand goes up you expand the number of seats in that university in that organization uh, for any other business but for these you're not because you're trying to preserve the kind of the elite status rather than educating more kids the system is not working in the United States. And, you know, so let's go beyond this proposal. Every year I try to make sure I propose legislation that's increasing economic opportunity for working class people. Again, things that don't require a university degree, but are very, very important to, uh, to our economy, you know, licensed workers, journeymen, um, but 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 also taking away university degree requirements for state jobs is another right. piece of legislation that I advanced last year. So, you know, I think the general public understands the system is not working for regular people. The cost is absurd, but you don't actually need to learn a lot in order to get a degree. Fifty percent of kids don't even grad that go to college don't graduate uh, college uh, these days. So um, there's a lot of changes that need to happen. But I think this is, you know, a pretty modest proposal. You know, 
we have too high a tax burden on middle class people in the state. We need to reduce yeah. it. Uh, just really quick, because I want to ask an EV question. So this, this you'll propose something again in the next session on this? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Uh, hopefully we've got a public hearing and, and people can uh, submit testimony. And also, you know, the, I talked with, I was on with Dennis House on Channel 8 uh, over the weekend. We, we talked about the e- EV thing. And, and, you know, I'm curious if maybe there's a little political risk for Democrats to push this too hard since it's obvious that the state, the residents of the state on Moss aren't really ready for some sort of mandate on this. Yeah, I mean, I, I really can't think of a single good argument to impose an EV mandate on the people of Connecticut, um, one thing after another. But, you know, I, I think the vast majority of the public, again, understands that. I think 70 percent of people in this state would uh, wouldn't be favorable to a, a mandate that takes away their personal choice and personal freedom and overloads the electricity grid. We know it's going to cost the average person thousands of dollars more to buy an EV in a state that's already unaffordable. We know that it's going to add gigawatts upon gigawatts of demand onto the electricity grid when we're going to experience huge shortages of electricity in 10 or 20 years. Uh, That could potentially lead to rolling blackouts. It'll certainly lead to much higher electricity costs in a state that already has the second highest electricity cost in the continental U.S., I mean, I really can't, along several different dimensions, I can't think of a single good reason for this policy. Um, we have to be prudent. We have to protect um, the economy in the state, uh, reduce the cost of living. And this type of proposal would go in the exact opposite direction. So I strongly urge my Democratic colleagues to, you know, kind of kind of, step back and, and cease these efforts to, to impose a statewide mandate. I think we know that the leadership of, of the majority party is, is meeting and, and conferring and deciding what to do uh, in the coming days. Um, so, you know, I hope they I hope they hear regular people in Connecticut who are saying, uh, let's stop this. Yeah. All right, Senator. It's great to talk to you. We'll catch up again soon. We appreciate the time as always. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. All right, Senator Ryan Fazio joining us here. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.